0: Much has transpired on our epic journey, chasing down the madman Lals, the nefarious count who aims to become the champion of a being so horrible and dangerous to the reality of our heroes that the simple mention of such a name registers its corruption into your very soul. We can hope that we are fine since our heroes live in a world less real than ours, but be careful if you like and skip forward if you want to avoid this mark of corruption and become part of him. Yamindor. Let's just hope that the mimetic contagion of his name stays within the confines of this fiction, lest you also become a part of him. Many adventurers have become part of this journey, some good, some evil, and some not quite in any category. One can say that they are fate's playthings, but in reality, the Eldritch forces that are being contacted by Laos, his cronies, and similar cultists are immune to the forces of a human concept as simple as fate, and quite frankly are indifferent to the plights of Assad and his allies. We have been on this journey for nearly 200 chapters and we have seen many suffer terrible fates, some still allowed to live their lives, like Kel, the fisher in the town of Thrushmore who lived a simple life until a vicious assault on the town. Kel's arm was ripped off and the blood used as merely a brush to paint on the wall. Come back any time. An enemy of Assad, Nestle and Anya had used him as bait to get them to follow them into their trap. Or how nearly every time someone joins the group in their endeavors that they seem to come to an early grave. Caragor, the evil tiefling oracle, who, albeit a horrible man in his own right, a man who sacrifices other living souls to appease his own perverse goddess, Ergothoa, even assisted in this journey, coming to an end with his head cut clean off. Not to mention Zalmol, the man who met the group in their dream excursion, and later met them in the material plane proper to assist them out of a deep desire to learn more about this strange corner of the world's story that he had just ridden himself into. He too met his fate, ironically, or perhaps poetically, in the Mysterium, a vault of knowledge in the name of his deity, Nethys. Nessel himself succumbed to this eldritch threat, having been forewarned by the entity itself. Anya narrowly escaped the clutches of Yamindor with the grace of Pharasma the lady of graves but her second soul which had already been split into andris was given as tribute to the beast but today we explore the confines of the mind of a man who started this journey without his own story the history of his life was ripped away from him as sacrifice to gain forbidden knowledge on an excursion to the dreamlands one of many they had assad and nessel regained their memories in full as they found an oasis with their memories about after that day the combined weight of both everything that has led up to where we are today and everything before assad was committed to the briarstone asylum eat at him constantly. As he lays at night, dreaming, he no longer receives the very real deaths at the hands of the tattered man, or the lucid wanderings in the dreamlands, but just dreams in the traditional sense. The visions of the past may now just be memories of a man he once was, but the pain is still just as real. Let us journey into strange aeons. Episode 200, Saad al-Kadir. City of Kathir, a mixture of old and new, where new structurally sound and magnificent buildings tower over the crumbling ancient yet beautiful in their own right buildings. Of the peoples of this great capital lies the great market. People of different shades and creeds, both of the Kelishite citizens and also travelers from beyond the borders of Kadira, fill the market with its immense size. In comparison to the other cities of Galarian, the great market very well could be a country in its own right, with the commerce alone. Here we see many a merchant selling their wares to passers-by.
1: There is no way I'm going to pay a hundred gold for this! You are running a scam here!
0: You're not going to get a better price anywhere else. Like, no, seriously, there is literally gold strewn onto the fabric here. That's well worth more than half the price.
1: You call this real gold? Ha! It's not even put together into an outfit! You expect me to wear it like a robe? What kind of clothing shop is this?
0: We're not? We're a textile shop. I- I'm sorry if that wasn't clear, but pardon me, I-, I didn't know you were an idiot. The arrogant customer, an elf, an outsider, if their clothing is any indication, puts their hand on the hilt of their sword, scowling at Assad.
1: I'll have you know that I am not one you can just make mere insults to, brutish human.
0: Assad's eyes quickly glance at the sword and back up to the elf. No, stop.
1: Right now, you can't fight
0: this promise Layla you half piece today.
1: Hello! Are you still there, Half-Life?
0: Sorry? Where were we? Friend?
1: The Fandango sheet with the gold trim for 40 gold.
0: Fandango? Most people just say purple.
1: I call it what it is. So what was it again? 25 gold?
0: If you insist on being a jackass about it, we can settle on either 100 gold or you can just buy somewhere else.
1: This human scoundrel is trying to rob
0: me! As quickly as he could realize what this customer was attempting to do, Assad is the one thing that never fails him to get out of an uncomfortable situation. Huh? Hmm. Huh? He felt as if the entire crowd was looking in his direction with concerned whispers. Uh, in all fairness, I didn't try to mug them.
1: Uh... I believe that mehead would leave such a bad impression on Cathy or on them.
0: That's Layla's husband, isn't it?
1: I thought that was him. I'm surprised she even lets him out considering how much trouble follows him.
0: Asad, without thinking, pupils the size of pinheads, holds the fabrics and stows them in his cart, all the while ignoring the penetrative glares of his neighbors. A young boy, not quite a teenager yet, but still full of innocent energy, approaches the shop. Mama said that we would be here until sunset. Upon noticing the voice of his son, Asad comes to and feels his cold body shaking. He turns around to hide the shame plastered all over his face and smiles. Mama said we could all go home early if we made at least three silver. Three silver? That's a lot of money. Can we go buy some ice cream on the way home? Uh, Hadar, you know, uh, I don't trust that sorcerer. Balthazar isn't a magic guy. He just said it's called an ice pit. He said it was because the house is shaped like a cone, and- Also, you don't want to spoil your appetite. Ugh, <sighs> okay, if you say so. Asad and his son Hadar return home. A little over an hour's time, as he does not live far from the market, the sun slowly setting behind them, melting into the horizon, as if Sarinray, the patron goddess of Assad and the other Kadirans, had been judging him. <coughs> a young girl, Nosly, a small little bean, the youngest of three- Rushes the door, landing on her father's chest. Oh, hello. Excited tonight, aren't we?
1: I made cake today. You have to try it. It's really good.
0: Oh, oh, oh. How nice.
1: And she didn't cause any fires this time.
0: (sighs) What a relief. Fatima, the eldest of the children, on the cusp of adulthood, but still a teenager, walks in, arms crossed with a calm and collected manner.
1: She somehow always gets the measurements perfectly, and you bring her next to an open flame and she goes monkey brain.
0: Well, she'll she'll make a great chef one day.
1: I mean, I know that's your natural dad encouragement. You might want to think bigger picture. She's six, Dad. Um, because she has an affinity for perfection, creation, and knowledge she might get into- No, no,
0: no. You already want to do magic. I've accepted that. Magic is dangerous. There's lots of unknowns.
1: Yeah, until they're known. That's what school is for. Besides, I wasn't going to say magic. I was going to say science or math.
0: Oh, thanks, Siren Ray.
1: Or alchemy. That's
0: just Magic!
1: Alchemy is definitely a hard science, Dad. Well, that loud screaming can only be one person.
0: And here enters Layla. Smiling, much like the sun, she always glows with a lively radiance. Layla, dear. Sorry, I I should tone her down a bit.
1: Nonsense. The neighbors have lived here long enough. They can move if they can't take the noise.
0: Layla walks over and kisses Assad.
1: What's wrong? You seem distraught.
0: It's nothing. Things... Didn't go... great.
1: Come, sit down. So we can talk. You must be exhausted.
0: (sighs) Okay, so... we didn't make any money today.
1: Assad, it's the fourth day in a row.
0: I I know, I know. I just figured that if I sell the purple cloth, we could, you know, we'd be set.
1: You can't rely on selling the display. It's a good... it's an attention grabber. dear, I love you, and I have a lot of patience... But I'm putting my foot down.
0: No, no, I, I can do this. Tr- trust me.
1: You say that all the time. Look, I appreciate that you could take over for me this week at the shop, considering my back has been acting up. I'll just ask my brother Salim to run the shop for the rest of the week, but Asad, please, can you find somewhere, anywhere to work? I love you. You're my husband. I couldn't ask it for anyone else, but you can't be a house husband. The market's really slowing us down. We can only get by so far on what we have for a while. I I mean, I've done a
0: pretty decent job so far, I'd say.
1: You've been doing great in that department. But outside? Out there, not so much. It's been ten years since you've brought home any coin. Well,
0: I could always do that old job.
1: No. Absolutely not.
0: I, I used to be really great at it, though.
1: First of all, used to be. Used to be good at it. You're 50 Assad, And second, you have children. I'm not going to let you go back into fighting pits just so you can make a quick change.
0: It's it's the one thing I'm good at. It's like fishing in a barrel.
1: If we need to pick one thing up, why not fishing?
0: The, The fishing guild doesn't really like me all that much.
1: No matter where we go, there's going to be people who that don't like you. Just... Deal with that fact and get along with them!
0: I'll consider it.
1: Please, don't think about yourself. Think about them. like my ah, ah, ah!
0: My gorilla throws a monkey at your face.
1: My gorilla turns into a dinosaur and eats the monkey! Rawr! Wait, gorillas can't do that? They can if they're druids.
0: Th- that's cheating. You can't use magic.
1: Get good then. Yeah! They're just kids. They love you even though they may not understand all the intricacies of love yet. If you were to die, it would devastate them. Ugh, I know. Hey, hey. Don't don't look so glum.
0: I I worry too. D- don't think I don't. I, I know it may seem selfish of me to want to do this this way, but don't mistake it for pride. Besides, I want Fatima to get into a good school.
1: Oh? I thought you didn't like her interests.
0: Who who am I to tell her no? It's her decision. Yes, I'm a bit weary of her choice, but I have confidence she'll be fine. She's a smart cookie. I'm sure she'll be able to take care of herself.
1: It's okay. I'm sure Sun and Ray has her eyes on us. Rest for the night. We could figure it out tomorrow.
0: Yeah, I know. I'll, I'll go stop by the Fisher's Guild, and if that doesn't work out, some job hunting.
1: See? That's the spirit. One mighty strike from Ratko Ratko's fiery fist!
0: A big mistake from Major Berengar's end. Ratko's famous fiery fists were the perfect counter for the major shields.
1: Let that be a lesson to you wooden shield users. Metal is the way to go! I'm
0: pretty sure metal conducts heat.
1: Ah, uh, well, don't fight fire at all then. That's the takeaway here, folks!
0: Putting up a <sighs> good fight today, as usual, Ratko. I would say likewise but you're a real lazy fuck. The two combatants stand beside each other within arm's reach. Large catfolk with matted brown and red hair and two wooden shields strapped to both of their arms, singed and barely hanging on. His combatant, a stocky keller man with a scraggly mustache and fire sparking off of his hands. Look, look, I already said I was sorry about not going to your kid's birthday party. Seven is a very formative year for kids. And he's a huge fan of yours!
1: And here comes Radigo's furious three-strike uppercut! Oof! <laughs> Two quick jabs to the chest, knocking the wind out of Major Barringer. <laughs>
0: and now he's been launched twenty feet into the air!
1: <laughs> and that's a knockout, ladies and gentlemen! We have our victor for the match, Radigo Radigo!
0: Man, those announcers have really been practicing their thaumaturgy. Yeah, it's real cool, ain't it? Hey, you're that guy! Assad points at a poster of Ratko. Yep, it's me. Killer moves out there. Thanks. Wait, say, aren't, aren't you Assad? Assad stands before Ratko in his old fighting attire—a lion hide armor hoodie, armored kilt, and gladiator sandals. <laughs> uh, tis I, yes. Dude, I loved you as a kid. I actually started fighting the year you left. Really? Yeah, man. I was really hoping I'd go up against you, but the chances faded. Actually, I'm going. Back in. Really? Yeah, I, uh, spoke to Riley Roughhouse and she said it was cool. Oh, man, that's cool. I, I guess she's the owner of the Roughhouse, but it's a dumb stage name. No, that's Riley's given surname. Really? Yeah. The name chose the profession there, huh? Uh, Ratco? Yeah. You dress like a rat. Yeah, cause I'm a performer. But I'm, I'm glad you're back in the ring. So, what happened? Broke your leg or something? No? <laughs> had a kid. Uh, things change not really wait that's it what do you mean that's it all redco redco juniors seven years old love him with all my heart but i love doing this you're not afraid uh, he will get hurt or worse die look man i know you're a little more old school so let me catch you up to speed we're all friends down here well maybe not all of us but the rough house has been going through some changes for the better well for starters, we got top of the line clerics at the disposal that sounds way too good to be true okay well they're not the best but at least you'll 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 stay alive mostly most of the time i suppose there's some solace in knowing that
1: well 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 if it isn't the old star of the show
0: an athletic elven woman sneaks in seemingly out of nowhere this is no magic trick she's just that good at not being seen despite being well over six feet tall her complexion indicates that she's also kalashite her eyes mismatched the left being a normal elven eye with almost no white in it. The other a small iris, very much a feature of her human ancestry. <laughs> Thanks again for the opportunity.
1: What? Nah, don't even stress. You brought a lot in coin in, and I'm pretty much betting on you doing great here. Uh,
0: I'm sorry, you're betting on me?
1: It's an expression as sad. It means I have faith in you.
0: Oh, you had me worried there for a second. Put your hands together for the Ulfin threat, Yon or Stag.
1: And returning back into the fray, the lion, Asad al Kadir.
0: <laughs> Yorn, the blonde, muscular human man, enters the ring, already torn apart in several places, such as a missing nose and fingers. Oh, oh god... god. They really did a number to him. Hey, if you need me to go easy, just let me know. I don't want to break anything else off. Hey, Oh, this? You think you can really lay a scratch on me? I came here to fight. I don't plan on holding back and I expect the same respect from you. Hey. You got it, friend.
1: Ooh, Yon goes for the first strike, straight to his face! Ah! Oh god, I forgot how much that hurt.
0: He wipes the blood off of his face and swipes at Yol in quick retaliation. My boy, you're gonna have to be quicker than that. Boy, we look to be about the same age. Yol goes for the leg. Sweeps. Asad falls over, hitting the ground chest first. Come on, man. I heard you were good at this.
1: (coughs) Give me a minute. It'll come back to me. I'm sure. Asad pulls himself up and knocks back down.
0: You don't get a minute. You can quit now or lose later. Choose. Okay.
1: If you wanna play like that.
0: Oh, he might be on the ground, but that stopper. him. Assad seems to have grappled Yoln and literally brought him down to his level.
1: Assad goes for that headlock! Yoln swings erratically trying to hit something, anything, but to no avail
0: Assad's grip becomes tighter around Yon's head as his face starts to become red. <sighs> Alright. You can quit now or lose later. Your choice. Well there, slugger, that's not a legal move anymore. Asad, let him go. You're kidding me. Oh, fine.
1: Ooh, and right in the face.
0: Asad has returned the favor and gave Yon his very own knuckle sandwich. Is he dead?
1: Oh, it's like a uh, great question. Uh, medic, medic.
0: He has a pulse.
1: Yom lives to fight another day.
0: The winner. Assad. Oh Kadir. Assad stands there with his nose fractured, having survived the onslaught of punches from Ulm. Assad, I can't believe that. That was pretty epic, man. I didn't really think that you'd still be so good after all those years. Well, I really thought that that was going to be a lot smoother than I thought. I guess that it isn't really like riding a bike. It's more like, you know, I I lost the metaphor. I I think he might have hit me in the head too hard there.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, it looks like we're going to take a quick intermission, cool down a little bit, and have the energy ready to get right back into it.
0: As the next match goes underway, we go outside to the confines of the rough house and see three familiar figures on the streets nearby.
1: I am personally going to kill you two if Mama Dad finds out about this. How, how are they going to find out? Yeah, Mama's home.
0: And Baba went to go talk to the fishmen.
1: Yeah, but still, if one of you gets hurt, they're going to find out no matter what.
0: How are we going to get hurt? It's all an act. No one actually gets hurt.
1: That's boring. I thought the people inside were fighting. They are, and that's why I want to bring you two dummies home. Mom said it's not nice to call us dummies. Mom's not here right now, for one, and two, there's worse insults out there. Look,
0: there's the door.
1: Whoa there, shouldn't I be going in first? Why? Because I'm actually an adult.
0: <laughs> yeah, barely.
1: Excuse me?
0: You still look like a kid.
1: Hold on, where's Nozzly?
0: Oh, boy, you lost her already?
1: Me? You were taking care of her before I found you all here!
0: The door of the roughhouse opens as a large half-orc man looks down at the tiny little human girl. Can I help you?
1: Can I come in?
0: Uh, okay, I see. You're lost, aren't you? Is this... the
1: roughhouse? (laughs) (laughs) That's not funny! Uh. That's not funny!
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, run along now.
1: But I want to go inside!
0: And I want a new blueberry bush, but we can't all have nice things. Do you garden? Oh great, another kid. Look, I'm not here for chit-chat. You two aren't allowed inside, so scram! I don't like punching kids, but it's not beneath me.
1: Uh, sorry about that. We were just leaving. Hey. Hey!
0: You promised we could go!
1: Yeah, you promised!
0: Oh, I see. Well, if the kids want to go inside, it's fine as long as they're accompanied by their mother here.
1: Mother? No, 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 no. These are my siblings.
0: Hey, 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 I don't judge human affairs. She's our sister, nothing else.
1: Okay, now that we've broken that awful, awful ice, we're gonna head out.
0: I thought you wanted to see the fights.
1: Yeah, I suppose that's what we came here to do, sure.
0: Well, come on in, enjoy the fight.
1: Thank Thank you. you. Yeah, thanks. Another victory for the lion.
0: You're doing great out there. You just have two more matchups, and you're in the clear.
1: That's nice.
0: <laughs> Medic. Ugh. Yeah, you might want two of these potions. I thought you could cast magic, like from your wand or something. You are not nearly in bad enough of a condition for me to use up my wand. I'm sorry.
1: Well, Asad, looks like I've made quite a bit of hefty amount of gold on you out there.
0: I- I'm sorry. Did you say gold?
1: Yeah. Quite a bit of gold, too.
0: I thought you didn't bet on me.
1: Like, you'd have to know I was lying, right? Of course I'd bet on you.
0: What have I lost?
1: Oh, boo-hoo. I lose money. I lose bets all the time. I'm not crying over spilled milk. But I have faith in you. I absolutely thought you could do it and pull this off. If it's within the realm of possibilities, it's something you should definitely bet on. And, if it's impossible... You just pray that it becomes possible.
0: Right. I I know you trust me, but you don't actually know what's going to happen in the future, so
1: maybe cool it a little
0: with the gambling?
1: Well, if you change your mind, there's nothing against the rules saying you can't bet on yourself. I'm just saying, and, well, I say go for it. You got nothing else to lose other than a little coin. And besides, as long as you don't go into the red or bet more than what I'll be paying you later then you're fine. Take a risk. Can't be afraid of what fate has in store for you. Yeah,
0: you know what? I do have what it takes.
1: i have faith in you.
0: Asad runs up to the booker in the corner of the facility. Hey, um, hello? I'd like to place a bet. Yes. And who would you like to bet on? On Asad al-Kadir? Okay. And who will be placing the bet? Asad al-Kadir? My my very confident in yourself, huh chum? <laughs> uh no, I'm just borrowing some. The the confidence, that is. The the gold is all mine. Uh 50 gold? 50 gold on a saddle Kadir. Uh thank you, Mr. Uh Booker. Oh no, thank you. And best of luck out there.
1: The lion is back on the prowl, ladies and gentlemen, and it looks like he's already causing some chaos in the ring!
0: What other dirty tricks are up this man's non-existent sleeves? Okay, I'm not- I'm not the bad guy, can we not? They don't really think you're an asshole, just roll with it! Performance, remember? Oh yeah. Hello crowd, I'm... here to... cause... chaos? And... more... problems? Perform! Yeah, maybe next time. Can I just hit somebody now? I, I would like to punch someone, please. We zoom out from inside the fighting pit and see two eager fighting fans and their older sister inside the first room of the rough house. A little foyer with some glass displays and a small cutout hall of paintings. Fatima can be seen leading the charge and heading straight for the actual fighting pit. <sighs> hold on now.
1: What do you mean hold on? I thought you were begging to come in here. Yeah, i know
0: my dear sisters you don't see what this is
1: a trophy room a boring hallway
0: the fighting itself is always going to go on in there you can always go wherever you want
1: uh no because i'm not bringing you here again this is a one-time deal
0: <laughs> that's funny but no this is a record of previous fights and champions here
1: look isn't that mr balthazar
0: huh oh it sure does look like him I guess he used to come down here and fight.
1: He's wearing clerical garb, you dolt! He's probably just a healer of some sort. A healer?
0: Yeah, cause like, people get hit hard here.
1: Hey, look at this champion here in the paintings. Oh... Doesn't he look familiar? Baba? That's not him. Baba doesn't have hair. People can shave their hair nozzly.
0: He used to have hair?
1: Can we stop focusing on the hair? Why does he have a painting at the rough house?
0: Mama said he used the fight, remember? When? Like, yesterday? Did you not pay attention?
1: Clearly not.
0: No wonder it's so easy for you to lose Nozzly.
1: Ha ha. Wait, where's Nozzly? And the Lion claims another victory! One more and he completes the Veteran's Gauntlet! Oh, we missed the fight!
0: There's more fights after this, they just said.
1: Aw, oh, I'm excited, Haydar!
0: Oh, me too. With swiftness, Assad is at the bookkeeper's booth again. <sighs> Mr. Booker, tell me how much gold is on me right now. Six hundred gold.
1: Wow, six hundred gold. That's impressive. See, I told you. You got it in you.
0: Thanks, Riley. I really needed that pep talk, I think.
1: That's a lot of money. What you plan doing it? Moving to a nice part of town?
0: <laughs> no, this works out perfectly, actually. My oldest, Fatima, is looking to study magic and well.
1: Whoa, magic? I thought you were scared of that stuff.
0: It's not the magic I'm scared of, it's the uncertainty that scares me. But with this much gold, I can avoid a tutor I know nothing about altogether and just put her in a good school. Hell, she doesn't even have to leave Kadira. We have the Planar Institute of the Allahaya Magical University.
1: Wow, I can't believe you actually did your research on this.
0: Huh? No, I just listen is all.
1: The final match of the Lion's Gauntlet is underway!
0: Can he beat his final combatant?
1: Welcoming them back from the outskirts, Sayol of the Solar Hill Monastery!
0: A three-foot-tall gnome walks into the fray calmly. A light orange tint to them, not like any traditional human skin color, but more like that of the rind of an orange. They have a fierce bright red hair to them as well, shifting slightly with the faint movements of the air in the area. They have short, white, plain-looking robes and a stoic expression to them. Sayol walks up to the middle of the arena and makes eye contact with the sod. Simply just tilting their head up and down. Hello, friend. How are you doing? I'm Masad al-Kadir, and I don't know if you've noticed my track record here, but it looks like you're gonna get your ass kicked.
1: You have a lot of confidence.
0: Well, yeah, I thought I'd be rusty at this, but it turns out I really wasn't.
1: Humility is not really something that you're quite known for, is it?
0: But I'm not... I mean, I can't say I'm humble. That's like the most impossible statement you can probably make. But I mean, it's mostly just a temporary boost of confidence that I've just gotten. Not saying that it's like, you know, a norm for me.
1: Well, I don't take kindly to those who overestimate themselves.
0: Yeah, yeah, so like, that's great and all. So are we gonna fight, or...? And in an instant, right before Asad's eyes, Sayol was gone. Judge! That was magic! I'm pretty sure- Judge! What in the hell? Why am I falling? Oh shit, she kicked me in the goddamn
1: face! Oh, there she is again, right underneath him!
0: That is an inhuman number of punches, huh?
1: I honestly lost count of exactly how many hits that was.
0: Well, one thing is certain, that man's back is no longer in working condition. Holy shit, she's fast. If I can just turn around and hit her just hard enough, I might be able to knock her out and get out of this. She stops her flurry of blows for a moment and pulls her fist back for one precise punch, and as soon as she pulls her arm back... That's it! My
1: opening! Right before he hits the ground, Asad kicks away in the chest!
0: sayal has been smacked into the ground!
1: Asad lands on his back but kicks himself right back up!
0: Uh, okay, let's see where you are. Oh, Sarah, now you've disappeared again, haven't you? You're not turning invisible, are you? Wait. He notices a weight on his back and thrusts his left elbow back quickly and hooks with his right, but she takes the opportunity to jump off of him and dive kick him. Asad grabs her as she comes down and throws her to the ground. She tucks and rolls as she lands and slides across from him.
1: I can't believe you actually spotted me.
0: Yeah, it was actually kind of a fluke. I really just kind of felt you on my back there. Could you maybe not climb me? That would be great!
1: Maybe if you didn't go easy on me, I would ease up a bit. You're starting to bore me.
0: Oh, okay. I see how this is going to go. He changes his stance, putting his arms to the side and swiping his leg back, staring her down, and he starts rushing towards her. As he does, he moves his hand back, and as he approaches her, he extends forward to use the momentum of the running to hit her with a bit more strength than a single punch would be able to. As he does that, she tilts just to the side just a little bit to catch him off guard, grabs his fist, and then uses his momentum and herself as a fulcrum to rotate him while he's running into the air and back onto the ground on his back, and he's just sitting there for a second, the wind knocked out of his breath.
1: Cool. Do you want to continue, or do you want to raise your hand?
0: Asad stands shakily and looks straight at Zayal. I don't have any plans of giving
1: up. He's going for another rushing attack!
0: Sayal <laughs> uppercut him right in the gut and, well, uh...
1: Asad is up in the air. That's a good thirty feet at least.
0: As Assad drifts, he turns his attention to the crowd and sees three little summons that he was hoping were stress-induced hallucinations. In the rough house foyer, we see Asad leaning back in a chair, his physical wounds having been attended to by the medic who is walking away, surrounded by his three children. Are you okay? He puts his hand over his face and rubs his eyes to ease his focus and tension. I'm fine. Still in pain. My head hurts pretty bad, but it's manageable.
1: Dad, I know you're hurt right now, but what the hell are you doing?
0: You wouldn't understand. I need money to support the family.
1: No, no, I get that. But what are you doing here? You know how much Mom hates fighting. And on top of that, when were you planning to tell us that you were, um, a pit fighting champion?
0: Well, obviously we wanted to keep that from you so you wouldn't think that I was up to no good. I mean, fighters aren't necessarily bad people. Also, like, why didn't you tell me? I have so many questions.
1: Yeah. don't encourage him. He's just trying to relive the glory days.
0: Fatima, you do not talk to me like that. I am your father.
1: Yes, you are. But you still lied to mom, for one. You can't use that argument against me. I'm an adult. You have to respect me with the as much as I respect you.
0: You're still a child, and I don't know where all this adult talk came from. I don't care how old you get, you're still my daughter.
1: You're still a liar, though. Not just for today, but for an entire career? you just... You don't just become a champion overnight!
0: I wanted to tell you, but I didn't want to be a bad influence.
1: Well, look how much that didn't matter. Nozzly and Haydar still found out about the roughhouse, and they still found their way here. We made
0: it this far because of your mother. She, she's been feeding you with the money she makes for the textile. We're running low on funds. I used to make a lot here, and well, well, I can't say it isn't an unenjoyable job...
1: You make money here?
0: Uh, yeah... Of course he would. You still make money doing what you like as long as people are willing to pay.
1: Oh...
0: Ow! What was that for?
1: I have to start practicing now if I want to make money!
0: n no! Ugh!
1: There are plenty of other things you can do that are not this! Look, I'm not stupid, okay? I know you've been trying to keep your past a secret, but the clues are kind of all there. The customer at the market yesterday? The jobs you haven't been able to keep? It can't be a coincidence!
0: Look, I try my best not to do that. That's why I'm saying that this is where I belong. A controlled environment where I can act naturally
1: and let loose! There are healthier ways to deal with stress, Dad!
0: I'm sorry for lying to you. But, wait, why are the three of you even here? Um... Oh, okay! I see. I can't keep secrets, but you can!
1: No, this is different! How? I was going to tell Mom. I wouldn't dare lie to her. They were already on their way here, and I found them. I figured they would do this anyway, so I'd be responsible and chaperone them.
0: You're you're doing a great job of keeping track of where Nazely is, by the way.
1: Thank you. Wait. Nazely, stop wandering off! (laughs) (laughs)
0: Layla is sitting down, slowly recovering from her injury, talking to her brother over some tea after he has returned from a day at the market. Filling in for herself and for Asad.
1: Thank you for coming for under such short notice. Oh,
0: of course. You know, I can always help out when you ask. You don't have to do this on your own, especially considering your situation right now.
1: No, no, you don't have to trouble yourself that much. It was nothing, really, just a day's work, as all. I know clients can be a bit irritating sometimes.
0: I get that much, but I was mostly referring to him. Oh. I know you love him, but what does he do exactly?
1: Salim, you don't understand him.
0: He almost broke my arm the first day we met because he thought I was trying to attack him when I went in for a hug.
1: He can be a little on edge. Once you get past that, he's a sweet man.
0: He knocked that elf out, by the way. The one from the market? Like, out, Cold. They they still haven't woken up.
1: In his defense, the client was being rude. Or at least according to him.
0: You still... you, You don't think that sometimes he might be exaggerating? Or maybe misconstrues the situation. The door flings open with a playful violence as the young Nasli runs inside with an excited explosive presence.
1: Yeah, yeah, you remember that one. Yeah, the one where she like punches him in the air. That was so cool.
0: I didn't even think that was physically possible. Layla turns to look at the children and her face flares furiously at them, making eye contact with a sheepish Fatima.
1: I'm trying to figure out what's going on here. She's seen somebody get thrown in the air. Oh, yeah, that thing that definitely happened today. (laughs) Okay, um, confession time. So these two wanted to go see some fights a while ago and didn't tell me. So I found them while I was on my walk and figured that since I already found them and we were so close, I might as well chaperone since they were going to find a way in no matter what. So... I took him to the rough house. No, 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 no. There's no logical explanation for this other than you would just disobey us. Yeah, wait, when you say us, did you also mean him?
0: sod walks in, his nose still fractured and off place a little bit, despite having been healed uh, at the rough house.
1: I can't believe you. I can't believe you would do this.
0: I mean, I can.
1: Now is not the time. I told him! I told him it was wrong! Fatima, I know you're an adult, but you're still my daughter, and you still live under my roof. That still means you're being punished as well. Come on! I know. I told you you could take time off from the shop to work on your studies, but the shop will take priority. You know, fair enough. I get it. I only just told you that Dad was fighting, and I'm still being punished for it. Two wrongs do not make a right! I'm not seven, Mom! Don't break the rules. As if you're seven, then. And you, Assad.
0: Layla, I'm so sorry. I, I truly oh, am. Oh, I'm
1: aware. I'm aware. I don't know what to say to you.
0: I know you already know my reasons. I, I can repeat myself all I want. But maybe you just don't understand.
1: Asad, I do, though. I don't think you listen to me. Your hobby is dangerous. I could repeat myself all I want as well, but you clearly only hear what you want to hear.
0: Layla, I I love you. I'm trying my best.
1: I'm taking Nazli and Hadar with me for the night, and I am going to Salim's.
0: You're welcome anytime. Salim scowls at Asad with intense disdain.
1: Please, try to figure this out.
0: Asad lays in bed alone, noticing that one of his ribs might be broken. Or it could just be a tense muscle. He's not sure. All he knows is that it hurts a lot. He also can't help but focus on the quietness of the house and the empty space in his bed. He lies there. He struggles trying to enter his sleep as he twitches like a dog, and he eventually succumbs to sleep and enters a dream. He's trapped, he doesn't quite know where he is, as he's running around trying to find out where he is. He realizes he might be in some sort of labyrinth as there's just brick walls everywhere, just covered in moss and vines and all sorts of unknowns. He doesn't seem to be aware that this is a dream, as it feels incredibly real to him. This is a foreign and unique sensation to him at this point in his life, not knowing how long he's been lost in addition to starving and dying of thirst. He goes on for a while. His body begins to fail him as he is on the verge of death. He stands as an observer. His body lies there withering, pathetically, lonely, nowhere considering he doesn't even know where he is. He closes his eyes and a light flashes. He is home, his children have grown a little older, maybe five or six years. Fatima, with a great big grin, dressed in robes of magical variety. Hadar seems to be an older young man, seen speaking around a fireplace with a crowd of younglings listening intently. Saad can hear glimpses of the word hero and father sprinkled in there. Nazli, now a teenager, is interesting in that she seems to be talking ecstatically to someone, a figure that fades between orange and black, too, red and grey. The figure is blurry, very difficult to make out. All he knows is that it hurts his head to look at, and then he feels a warm and literally bright presence behind him. Assad
1: Al do not turn around.
0: Am I dead? What's going on?
1: Your dear Lilla is concerned for you. Fortunately for her, her request seems to coincide with some unsettling truths.
0: What? What kind of truths? I
1: can't say exactly what. But what I can tell you is that no matter what happens, you will be able to choose
0: your path. Ah, okay, I get it. So choosing between dying alone in a dungeon or being a ghost. Seeing my family grow up without me. Got it.
1: Please try to remember anything from this when you wake up. s Yes. <gasps>
0: Asad wakes up in a cold sweat. His newly formed memories quickly evaporate. But the combined fear of death and loneliness, and the desire to see his loved ones succeed him, swell. It's been a few days, and Asad returns from another job search.
1: Any luck this time?
0: Somewhat? The Fisher's Guild actually has a waiting period. It's weird.
1: Yeah, that is weird.
0: Yeah, they actually seem nice, unlike the others who just kind of remember our past experiences.
1: They call themselves followers of Siren Ray, but don't even give people the time of day just because they don't like them.
0: I mean... I did fight a few of them when I was younger, so I get it.
1: That was a long time ago.
0: Um, hey, I'm not going to hold that against them.
1: Thank you, by the way. I know it's hard, but i love to see the effort you're putting in.
0: I have to, of course, but I also want to. Assad al-Qadir. That depends who's asking. My name is Junaid. I come on behalf of the Qadiran army.
1: You're a little early, no?
0: No, right on time. Just come on in. The Kalashar man walks in, paying way too much attention to the paperwork in his hands, and does not make any eye contact, let alone looking in Asad or Elila's general directions. Okay, Mr. Al-Qadir, it seems you are due for your recruitment. Who? Junaid looks up and makes a sudden realization. Um, where is Asad? Hi. Oh, I see. Ma'am, no offense, but is he cursed, or is it a glandular issue?
1: He's aging normally.
0: Oh, I see part goblin, okay, you've been here long enough.
1: Assad
0: the man called me a goblin, Layla.
1: I'm sorry, there seems to be a mix-up.
0: No, ma'am. The paperwork never lies. <claps> so an Arcadia right there turns twenty-two years old on this date. Oh, okay, I see what's going on. Are you going to clue me in
1: oh? Um, Assad had a bit of a falling out with his mother and father, and so he changed his name.
0: Wow. Incredibly disrespectful, dishonoring your own mother's name like that. Ahem. <clears throat> Shaheen Abbas? Oh. Oh, yeah, that's probably for the best. Yeah, I changed it before uh, really being part of the faith, so you know, not really big on forgiveness back then. But that being said, it looks like whoever filed in the paperwork put the turn in date as my birthday. I'm not anywhere near my 20s, I guarantee it. Well, that's hardly my fault, and you try to explain that to the filing department. They will absolutely positively not let you change that.
1: Please, sir. He's in no condition to fight. He's an old man.
0: Okay, well, I'm not that old.
1: Are you trying to get drafted again?
0: No, look, Okay. can we make an appeal or something? Not possible, unfortunately. Layla? No, no. We just got you going on the path of peace. This is a service for the country, and besides, it's a paying job, technically. Yeah, barely. Is there any way to do any kind of easy work? Can I at least petition to do something non-violent? Can you do paperwork? If you train me, I probably can? Medicine. Yeah, not really. I'm gonna go off a limb and just assume no. But don't worry, I can at least put in a good word for you, and maybe we can make you like a guard or something.
1: That still sounds like violent work.
0: You'd be surprised, actually. The only violence they really experience is bullying amongst the ranks of anything.
1: Asad, please don't bully anyone.
0: I wasn't planning on bullying anyone.
1: What can we do other than that, though?
0: What if this is what I have to do? Think about it. I've been job hunting, and one just came to the door. What if this is the way to go?
1: Okay. I have faith you're doing the right thing.
0: Time passes by quickly. Asad isn't allowed to live at home during his service and pack some trinkets for the road. He makes sure to pack his fighting outfit as he just likes to look at it, but it brings back fond memories. His kids have been working on a gift for him as well, so that he could have something to remember them for the two years that he will be gone. A little bracelet with little animals on them, his kids' favorites. Nozli's turtle, Hadar's bear, and Fatima's dove. The family hugs goodbye and he heads off. Assad gets his guard uniform, he's assigned a room, and a station, and goes through his basic training. The new recruits in Assad are sitting around in a tavern near the palace grounds in the dead of night, the candlelights of the tavern keeping the place a bright. They fill up the tables, cheering with their mugs and pitchers singing along to the band playing.
1: Ahem. If I may interrupt the m- fun for a moment, I'd like to congratulate the lot of you. You are a shining future for the Kelshite army, and may Ray bless every single one of you and your work here.
0: Another guard walks up swiftly to the captain with a sense of urgency. Captain, you're gonna want to hear this!
1: What is it? The palace is under attack and the guards inside
0: are now just being alerted!
1: This is not good. Listen up! The palace is under siege! There are reports of some perpetrator on the grounds. We don't know what they want, but it can't be good. Any of you not drunk, get up and get out there!
0: The guards get up, don their armor, and grab their spears, scimitars, and other assorted weapons. As they leave the tavern, the captain stops Assad and his little squad.
1: Assad, I need you and your group to stay here.
0: Why? All the bad guys are outside.
1: There's a good chance they can attack outlying areas.
0: Captain, with all due respect, I'm a veteran compared to these children. I've been fighting longer than these kids have been alive. Hell, even twice as long.
1: I've already given my orders. You stay here with the squad, and show them the ropes if those miscreants bring their ugly mugs here.
0: The captain steps out of the tavern and Asad turns back to a squad of eight and sits at their table looking defeated. Hey, cheer up there. I'm sure we'll get our time in the sun some other time. Or, if we're lucky, we can stay in here all night and just wait it out. Yeah, I'm not a fan of that, honestly. Well, guys? We have the tavern, at least. Yeah? We have the tavern and the captain's tab? I like where he's thinking. Yeah, you know what? If this isn't going to matter, then lay it on me. The squad clinks their drinks, chugging down as they laugh heartily and cheering each other on. All the while, a hooded woman sits in the corner wearing blue and yellow robes, sitting through journals and drinking some tea uncharacteristically calm and collected for someone at a tavern at two in the morning. You guys are great.
1: Yeah, you too, old man!
0: No, I'm not old. I'm (coughs) twenty- twenty-two. No way, dude! I'm glad the other guys are breaking into the palace. I'm having such a fun time with y'all. The other guys are breaking into the palace. Other guys. Wait a minute. What did you say? Sod slides out of his chair with vigilance, and even though he is drunk, he maintains most of his composure, almost as if his body is doing most of the work. I'm glad to be having so much fun. Are you okay, dude? You're working with them, aren't you?
1: Hey, man, he just said he was happy to hang out.
0: No, this traitor just admitted that he was one of the criminals. No, no, you just misheard him. Hey, man, calm down. You thinking that if I was a traitor, I would be here? Just faffing about? A distraction, clearly. Trying to keep me from protecting the palace. Asad, with intense diligence, strikes his fists right into the poor young man's face. Instantly shattering the bridge of his nose and caving his eye in, he falls under the table, gurgling as he loses consciousness, and blood is spotted all over himself and the table. trail leading back to Asad. The guards all look in horror. Although inebriated, they are still fully aware of what is going on. He... he killed Karouf! Get him! The guards get a hold of their weapons and go after Asad. Swinging their scimitars, lunging their spears and bashing at him with their shields, Asad sees the chaos of the blades heading his way and dodges them as swiftly as he can, being nicked against his arms a few times. Despite being older than the others, he still had more finesse in his movement than them. He dodges and weaves many of the strikes made against them. And in defense, he grabs one of the guards' spears, pulls them in and grabs them. He then tosses them off to the side, knocking down two of the other guards. They try to bring him down, but to no avail. The man taking down the entire squad on his own, albeit they were barely trained and had varying levels of drunkenness. The hooded woman in the back, having her interest piqued, writes down in her notes. "Kathir, Kadira. Potential muscle? The way she saw it, they were all drunk, and despite that, he seemed to have stood his ground as eloquently as a drunk could. Hello there, my name is Franklin. I understand that this is a very serious charge, and the death penalty is a very likely outcome, but rest assured that we have a great opportunity for you.
1: Opportunity? He's been arrested!
0: Four people sit in a quiet room. Asad, sitting tied to a chair, a gate between himself and Layla. In the corner stands a lone guard, and right across from Layla a Kellishite man, with a badge reading Evaluator. That may be so, but if I may... Franklin turns to the guard. Could you just give us a moment? I'll be safe here, I'm sure. The guard says nothing, doesn't blink, and walks outside.
1: Please, he didn't mean to kill anyone!
0: Asad remains somber and uncharacteristically quiet. It's okay, look. I have some connections with some help, so to speak.
1: What do you mean by that?
0: My job is to create a quick but educated assessment of a criminal's behavior and determine which court they should be tried in. You see, the options also include hospitals.
1: I'm sorry, I don't follow?
0: You might happen to be aware that our great and powerful nation is home to some of the most advanced forms of science and medicine. Well, recently there are people who have been researching the mind itself. Well, they need more... willing participants.
1: Absolutely not! I will not allow him to be a testing rat!
0: Oh no, you have it all wrong. Studying the mind is unobtrusive, it's non-contact, requires no surgery, and also, fun fact, no magic involved. But there's nothing wrong with him! That's where I come in. You see, it can be kind of difficult to get test subjects in without any problems considering people hear those words and immediately assume the worst. The only subjects we've gotten are people who have glaringly obvious issues. But if I tell the board that he's delusional and that he has outbursts that he can't control, I can convince them.
1: I don't understand what you're doing this for. You can't be doing this out of the goodness of your own heart.
0: Well, you see, after your husband murdered Karouf, that young boy, which, by the way, he died because his fractured bone tore into his skull and he just bled out. That's a horrific way to go. Asad cringes in his seat. After he was murdered, I looked into your history and saw that you have a little family, and he's been unemployed for a while. Oh, like, his entire life.
1: Oh, so you're stalking us too now?
0: No, we just have damn good investigators. The thing is that I have a good case, and, well, patients do get paid considering they are test subjects if they enter voluntarily. However, a referral from the place would make it involuntary, unfortunately. But I've got friends on the inside who can make those involuntaries Voluntaries, so to speak.
1: Dare you take advantage of us like this? You want a cut, is that it?
0: The way I see it, you're getting a cut, actually. I'm doing all the work, so all I need you to do is just agree or... Well, he's going to just about any other court. I really don't care which one. The outcome will always be the same. Death penalty. It's a strict crime, ma'am. Drunken murder, you just don't excuse that. Layla gets up furiously and looks at the man at the other side of the desk.
1: Fine. It's a deal.
0: It's been about six months since the murder, and Assad has been committed to a private Cathir asylum. Visit is for you, sir. A nurse, holding a clipboard, walks into Assad's room and motions to the door. Assad is sitting in his bed, wearing his gown, and trying to crush his head in with his pillow. Can we not today, please? I am tired, and I don't want to do any more interviews. Not, not even for Nasli and... Hadar? And with that, he sits upright and walks towards the door, ignoring the nurse. Whoa there, slow down. We still have to go to the recreational area. Where are they? Are Fatima and Layla here too? Hell, I'll even settle for Salim. Note to self, uh, Dr. Lieber Noah, that Assad has made positive affirmations uh, towards his brother-in-law. Assad leaves the nurse's side and makes a turn across the hallway and sees a horrifying sight. What's going on? The building is- The building is set ablaze, and there appears to be pods being thrown into the building. What is that? (laughs) Asad starts sprinting off and tries to find his way towards the kids, but as he runs towards where he remembers the rec room to be, he crashes into a wall that isn't supposed to be there. Something's up here. Hold on. He looks around and frantically notices that the entire building is different than the one he's used to. I have been living here for six months. How in the hell did they renovate the entire building this well so quickly? Wait. This layout is familiar, though. I can't quite figure out what, though. A man in black leather armor ambushes Assad, and he quickly dispatches him with a quick punch. Baba, help! Hadar! Assad bolts towards the direction that he can hear his baby boy's voice, and breaks down a door between himself and his son. A look of fear comes across his face as he sees the red eyes and barbaric presence of this man. Assad looks down at Hadar, confused as to why he's scared, and Hadar shifts his gaze towards the corner of the room. Another man stands there, surprised to see Assad. A bomb in one hand and a bag of valuables in the other. Including what appears to be his children's bracelet. Get away from him! Saad charges down towards the criminal at utmost speed, ready to put him down instantly. Assad, don't! What are you doing? You gotta stop! He feels an intense headache as he is mid-run, and the asylum before him shifts quickly to that of his home, and the man before him also fizzles away to a different familiar image. Asad, stop! Time freezes for a moment for the family. Saad sits on the ground, laying asleep. Leila stands in the corner in shock, holding Assad's belongings. Nazli and Hadar are just fear-struck as they've never seen their father with such ferocity in his eyes and heart. Fatima sits on the floor behind a table and, confused, splayed out against the floor with scrolls scattered around everywhere. The faint aura of magic surrounding her fingertips and the paper on the ground.
1: I just did that to him. You made him do this? No, I don't know what this is. I made him go to sleep, though. What? What happened? I-I don't know. Mommy, look! There's people outside, Mama!
0: Layla looks outside the window and sees a crowd of people approaching the door. Beyond that, she can see someone else knocked out near the house.
1: Fatima, wake him up! I know he's confused, but if that crowd gets to them, he's dead. Uh, okay, um, is there a spell for that? Uh, can I dispel this one?
0: J- just hit him hard! Just hit him really hard!
1: The mob is getting closer.
0: Nazli jumps over and lands on <gasps> an Asad's back, waking him up.
1: What? What? What's going on? Dad! We don't have time to explain. There's a mob outside. We think maybe you killed someone. Asad, please. I know it must be confusing, but trust us. Trust me.
0: Wait. Why am I home?
1: You've been home for a month, Asad. You're on probation from the hospital right now. Take your things. Run out through the back and hide at Salim's. We'll come get you later. They're getting closer!
0: Assad looks at them, confused, grabs the bag and runs towards Fatima. I, uh, don't know what's going on, but I'll see you in a bit, okay? Be strong for me. You can do it.
1: Uh, okay. You might want to hurry up.
0: He gives Nazi and Hadar a big hug and rustles their heads. You two stay out of trouble.
1: We'll try! She-she won't. Asad, we'll be fine. Make it quick. We're not saying goodbye.
0: Yeah, yeah, of of course. I'll see you later.
1: Murderer! Here he is! Murderer! He's in there! Murderer! He's in there! Go, Asad! Bye.
0: Uh, love you, Layla.
1: Just- just go, Assad.
0: Assad runs out to the empty streets. The quiet buzz of the bugs and the howls of the dogs make him a bit easier. It's been a year? What- what do they do to me? Assad contemplates while he's standing outside, trying to remember anything that happened to him while he was gone. I mean, yeah, but what does that have to do with anything? I don't see what the point is of having these discussions. You don't seem to be- you don't seem to be actually- Doing anything. This hospital's so monotonous, same thing, day in, day out. Better than it being a surprise every other step of the corner, though, then, right? True, but what good use is that list to you? Sometimes you don't really know much about yourself until you say it out loud for yourself to hear. Think about what you're afraid of. Say it to yourself when I'm not around, and it'll help you understand how to overcome those fears, right? May not make sense at first talking to yourself, but in order to fight the man that's pulling you back. The part of yourself that you're afraid of. That part. You know, have a narrative with them. When you talk to yourself, you force yourself to have that narrative. You're saying I have a second soul? No, I'm, I'm talking metaphorically. You need to do what you think is the right thing to do. Layla, Fatima, Hadar, nasli they're all, they all, they all continue to live their lives. You, you clearly, must have noticed that considering you've been in here for a little while already while you've been in here while you've been a guard take this time to kind of just think about the decisions that you want to make i mean educated ones of course and well that runs our time for the day same time tomorrow i i guess i'll try to reflect on this maybe after this i'll look into going to the solar hill monastery and after say i'll kick my ass i realize that maybe whatever they're teaching are up there seems to be working so hopefully they'll have me Oh, and one last thing, don't forget to take your medication. Oh, oh yeah, I almost forgot. Dr. Lieber steps out of the office and walks down the hall, bumping into one of the nurses at the apothecary, well, far enough out of earshot from Assad. Hey, I don't want to overstep any boundaries, but do you think that maybe this is a little wrong? There's nothing wrong in treating patients. But is the medication really necessary? He already consented to being in here true but i've already got enough reports from civilians with basic problems and he's something a little more interesting all i'm saying is that it just feels unethical to force a man to have the problems you're looking for also not to mention bad science isn't that just artificially getting results you want nah he's not gonna remember much of it anyways if i get lucky he might have a real breakdown you don't really seem to care about his well-being at all i care about documenting the details of his condition whether it's good or bad is irrelevant we return to Assad during the aftermath of his second murder. The weight of his actions, whether he made them willingly or not, knows that no one will care about or believe him if he tells the truth. He looks back to the city, and then glances off to the distance and sees the opening of the desert. If I stick around here, things are just going to keep getting worse. Into a room where a man in beady little glasses, a fur hat, and a big fluffy fur coat sits. Lowell's. Lowen pulls out her journal and places it on the table with the names and potential functions written down. Nessel. Svarnephblen. Intel. Caragor, Tiefling. Torture. Asad, Human. Muscle.